How important is it to be connected to other educators outside of your building? This week's guest, Kristen Nan, shares how she almost walked away from teaching and how she took a gamble on education, which led her to an amazing professional learning network. Join us as Kristen provides steps on how she constructed a community of support and the risks she took to enhance her leadership skills. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Kristen, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Josh. It's so good to see you because we met in person at the Teach Better conference and we were just talking. It feels like I just saw you not too long ago, but it's so wonderful to reconnect with you. And typically what I do is I ask about educational journeys and I would absolutely love to hear about your past and how you got an education and how you became an educational leader. First of all, that Teach Better conference, was it epic or what? And so meeting you was just fantastic because it's like when you finally get to meet your PLN in person, Mm -hmm. there's just something super magical about that. But as we were just discussing, like the fact that it feels like it was just yesterday because we all stay so connected and intertwined in learning together. So that that has just been truly awesome. Mm -hmm. So You know, a lot of people will say maybe they went into education because it was something that like a particular teacher did for them. Someone inspired them. And not that I didn't have inspirational teachers because I truly, truly did. But to be honest with you, Josh, like I didn't like school. It just wasn't my thing. I was full of a ton of energy. I was I was thinking outside the box before I even knew there was a box. And <laughs> and when you think about the traditional methods of teaching, it, it just didn't fit. Mm-hmm. There was just, you know, you were to sit and take in and consume and give back. And when I went to give back, if I wasn't giving it back in an you know applicable way, I wasn't able to make that connection and grow from it. So that was very frustrating for me. Sure. And I, I really didn't even know what I would be doing as I grew older. And the reason for it is that college was not the next step for my family. I, you know, I'm 48 years old. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. It just wasn't that next step that was just that guarantee. Yep. So as I was going through high school, I had a very wonderful counselor. She sat me down and she said, you know, Kristen, what do you want to do with your life? And I, I didn't have the answer. So we just started kind of like talking about what I enjoyed doing. And, you know, I was working with kids with vacation Bible school. I was helping to coach cheerleading for like the little people. And Mm -hmm. she took all these little things that had my interest and she just connected them together. And she said, you know, maybe pediatric nurse or maybe a teacher. And I remember looking at her like, you got to be kidding me. Like I am (laughs) not going to be teaching and doing like what I don't like the rest of my life. Right. So we had this moment where we we took that and thought, I, I had this feeling of like, okay, but what if it could look different? Like, what if I could redefine what that experience is for every kid? So it got me amped up, but I did not come from money by any means. One of five, and I was, I was the baby. So my siblings were already finding their footing in life, and it wasn't through college. And for me, I didn't have anyone to really fill out that paperwork with me. My counselor helped me. My older sister helped me. And I sent off this paperwork thinking, how am I even going to be able to afford it? So what I did was I paid for my own schooling. I was accepted um, into a couple of different universities. And when I chose the one I chose, I chose it because it had 
been a teacher school prior to becoming a university. So sure. it's Slippery Rock University. And when I got there, I thought I have four years to just like cram it all in because I can't afford to spend any more time here. Mm-hmm. So I started in elementary ed and then I was really in tune with like behaviors and psych. And so then I connected with special education and I was, I, you know, did my emphasis in emotional support and I just kept diving a little bit deeper into all those things. At that point, I had this opportunity there. They, they would have student teachers apply to either go to Ireland or Mexico and experience this global aspect of what life looks like for others. And again, I knew I couldn't afford it, but What I did know was that there were over 500 applicants. So if I could fill out an application and get the experience doing that, if I could come in front of my advisor and a board of educators at that level, if I could even go through the process to some degree, I felt like I could equip myself to go and have an interview to get a teaching job. So I really didn't think I would get it. I didn't think that even if I did, I wouldn't be able to afford it. But I ended up being one of 18 that were picked. And that was like just huge. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to work my tail end off and make it happen and get over there and see life through a whole different lens. I mean, the experience in itself really was to my heart and it was so hands-on. And I thought this, this is what I'm going to bring to the classroom. So 23 years later, here I am. But that's how it started. Well, and that's a huge point there too, is it wasn't even to go overseas. It was, let me just have that experience. And something that probably is forgotten a lot of times is just getting into that interview process, regardless mm-hmm. if it's a student teacher, if it's a teacher, if it's an administrator, you know, going through that process and potentially failing in that, but at right. least getting to try it out and see where it goes. So kudos to you to actually think of it and have that mindset. Cause I think a lot of people Thank you. Um, would probably go a different direction. And <laughs> well, <laughs> kind of crazy, but I have to tell you, speaking of the whole failing, there were questions they asked me. I didn't have the answer. I didn't know the answer. And I'm really one to stick with what I know and admit when I don't know something because I need to learn it. How else am I going to learn it if I pretend I already do? Yep. So I remember the interview saying that I, I didn't know. And they said, well, we plan on bringing you back. So it'll be interesting to see what you learn about it from now until then. I thought, whoa, mm-hmm. like they were giving me another chance. And I made sure I didn't just ask one person. I mean, we didn't have internet access to be going and Googling sure. and looking it up. I mean, we were heading to the library and like scrolling through on whatever that old thing was that we were. <laughs> and it was it was a thing where I had to have this communication factor and build relationships with other professors and teachers within the community to be able to delve into what that answer really looked like. And it didn't, it wasn't just about one answer or one, you know, from one particular person. It was about what could this look like as a whole through different views. And when I came back, I was so confident. I couldn't wait for them to ask me that. (laughs) I was like, oh, please let that be the first question you ask me (laughs) because I have an answer today. (laughs) Well, Kristen, I want to talk about your role now because now, you know, you're an elementary teacher and today, you know, you're consulting, you're speaking, you're an author of a book. What propelled you into that direction? I'm still a third grade teacher. It's it's really where my heart is. There have been times that I've thought about going back to school and maybe getting into 
to another facet of education. And each time I'm at a conference in itself, I miss the classroom. I miss my kids so much that, um, you know, and I stay connected with them when I'm at a conference. So when they're in Flipgrid and, you know, they're letting me know what happened with their day, I'm like, that is a piece of me. Like, it's not all of me, but it's a huge part of me. And I ended up starting to share my my story, my voice, my experience, because, um, you know, I'm losing track of the years now, but about five, six years ago, I really came to a point where I had almost left, not the classroom, but education as a whole. Hmm. And I guess I dreamt so big about the change I could make. What I didn't realize was that I still had to conform to the expectations and what was in line as to the philosophy of the district I was working for. And once you get that job, back in the day when you were hired, it was like that was a lifetime commitment. You know, I know that people jump around a lot now and they, they almost are at a point where they are interviewing the school district themselves, which is so wise. But for me, I had already you know, I embedded myself into this community and I love this community. And I thought to myself, like, I don't know that my place is here anymore. How else can I create impact for kids without being in a classroom? At the time, JC Maslick was hired. So Dr. Maslick comes in and as assistant superintendent, and she just had a whole different view and her experience and what she brought to the table within her other districts was a super powerful. She was such an asset because she saw beyond herself and she realized that without having conversations with the teachers and without having conversations with her other colleagues, uh, we really were never going to push this forward. So that is how we connected and how I started realizing that my voice wasn't just wanted, but it really was needed beyond my four walls. If I was going to grow, if my students were going to grow. And that's when I just started dabbling in, putting in for conferences and sometimes being denied and sometimes being accepted. And, you know, now I, I know no different. You know, I, I actually was, I'm trying to get my Google certification, the level one. And I get to the area where it talks about like what a PLN is. And I thought to myself, oh, I got this. I got this. (laughs) I've been doing this for years now. Right. But it's, it's moments where you realize where you're at now. And then you have a true appreciation for the growth that's taken place from where you started or where that transition was. You've talked about a couple of times now in your answers with the professional learning network, you know, your PLN, Mm -hmm. how important was that when you were feeling down and you know were struggling as an educator? Well, to be honest with you, I didn't have my PLN when I was struggling, mm. which is probably a major part of the reason why I felt that maybe my voice and my place wasn't in education anymore sure. in the classroom. We were not, I want to say the word forbidden is pretty strong, but when I say it was strongly, strongly, strongly suggested that we were not on social media platforms, that it was inappropriate, I tend to be, as much as I'm a risk taker, those are the rules I do follow because I don't want to compromise, you know, integrity and I'm only as good as my word and I really felt like I needed to back that up with action. So I just never connected. When JC came along, Mm -hmm. crazy enough, that was one of her first challenges to me to get on Twitter. And I was like, this lady's crazy. Like, (laughs) I love her. I loved her craziness. And I was very scared because now what was going to happen was if I didn't have other colleagues around me that were going to be as crazy and take this risk, I was really going to become an outlier. Mm -hmm. And that outlier moment was like scary and so intriguing because I thought, 
How can I grow if I'm not willing to take a hold of the chance that's being handed to me? And so that was when I got connected. And interestingly enough, my very first experience, which is like mind blowing, was iMook. I mean, (laughs) literally, I got in with Tara and, you know, George Curis and Onik and, you know, Roman. There are so many people that I was embraced by. And, you know, we're in this Voxer group, which I didn't even know what Voxer was. I just downloaded the app and went to it. And I felt this joy that I had not felt in so long because I had a place. And so that connection right off the bat, I didn't, you know, we're all in a different place now than we were five years ago. But at the time, this was not about a name. I mean, at the time, I had no idea who George was. So it wasn't like I could put him any higher above me because I didn't know his place within education. And that's a good thing. See, I I think if we each come in realizing if we're going to work for the best in the best interest of kids, we have to meet each other right there on the same playing field, you know, at the same level, because the minute that we start pushing each other up, down, sideways, over in this pocket or over in this particular PLN, we're really losing sight of why we got into it to begin with. And that was just a powerful experience. And then George, he he challenged all of us to start blogging. What? I mean, (laughs) nobody even wanted to hear my voice. Now I'm going to write it and like put it out there permanently. Like, what is this? So that was a pivotal time in my life. And I do not know where I would be to this day if it was not for that experience then. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, I'm so blessed with so many different families, whether it's Teach Better or Four O'Clock Faculty or my EduMatch family, like TLAP family, like the families are just, you know, my Celebrate Ed family. Like these are people and families of educators that are right there for me at any given time, I can reach out and they're going to have my back and help me find an answer. And if they don't have the answer, they are so okay with saying, I don't have it and they're going to get it for me. And that, wow, what a blessing, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And George was a huge inspiration in my life too. I would not be on Twitter or any other social media app without him. And it's so true. And I think what you talked about, about being on the same level, it could not only translate in your PLN, but translate on a campus or in a district too. And we're only as good as being on the same level with our peers. Josh, you just nailed it because that in itself is, I'm not trying to downplay or discredit everyone's hard work in moving into different facets of their life and obtaining more degrees. I'm not at all. Mm -hmm. But if we do not take those and use it to the best of our ability by coming together as people, human beings, and having these conversations, it's all for naught. So, you know, my superintendent in my district, Michelle Miller, fantastic. I mean, she too is the type of person that that door is always open. She's in our classrooms. She's asking the tough questions and she's willing to hear the tough answers. And I feel like right now where we're at with with life, you know, with with COVID, with what this looks like for kids. These are going to be tough conversations if we're really willing to have them. And this is not a blame game because, you know, what's in our control and what's out of our control, totally two different things. And in in order to be able to teach our children to the best of our ability, we're going to have to hear one another, you know, listening and moving forward and not that blame game it's a little bit of an insecurity in some ways, you know, as a teacher, 
we're handed down a lot right now that's coming from government, that's coming from the CDC, that, yeah. you know, we keep getting emails of what it's going to look like and our voice played no part. But guess what? Administrators, like their voice barely played a part in that. Like they're trying to adhere by what they've been given as the guidelines and they're trying to do the best they can with what they're given. So that is just a an bit of empathy and understanding that we each need to have in order to be able to go back in the fall. So true. There's not probably a good way to segue in this, but I want to talk about your book, All In, <laughs> Taking a Gamble in Education, but I think it is relevant in what's going on today. Will you just quickly speak for those who haven't had a chance to read this amazing book, just providing a synopsis for our listeners? For sure. And I actually think it is probably one of the easiest connections, in all honesty, because this is truly about a risk-taking teacher. And think about the risk that we have to take. Yeah. Not not just like risks that we want to take, but risks that we have to take within these constraints that we're being given. And it's, it's taking administrators, such as JC yeah. and Michelle, in my case, that are willing to listen, willing to walk this walk together. And what I really love that we did with the book is it was about the, the dynamics of two people in different entities of education that were willing to take these chances together, come together with keeping in mind every child, every staff member. Like this is, it's, it's a community. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, beyond our walls. And so if you think about what I just said, this is exactly what we're talking about with going back in the fall. And we, we, put these bets together. Cause I, I'm not, I never was an avid reader as a kid. Now I probably have read over 50 professional books in the last how many years um, sure. because it's just my jam and yeah. I'm learning so much. And I'm like, it's, you know, it's like the educational, like crazy crack kind of moment where you're like, <laughs> I gotta have more. I gotta. And um, you know, it's for me, this, these bets that we put together were not about just telling people our story. It was about going ahead and saying, listen, like I, I bet on you. I'm placing my bet on you that you can double down, that you can ante up, that you can put all your chips in, that you can realign and re-envision and that you can find your voice in this picture. And when you're all in, because see, we, we hesitate because it's fear. You know, we live in this world of fear as educators because we're, we're kind of supposed to know all the things that we're supposed to know within our practice. I mean, it really has been built and, you know, ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, there is no possible way. If you're going to be a connected educator, you know, in this day and age, we can all connect and we can all search it and we can all find an answer a different way. That should be more of a relief than a fear for every one of us. So this book is going to put these bets out there and place these moments that you get to then come in with your own perspective. And this is like the cool thing. Like when JC and I are coming back at it, we literally are coming from our minds and our hearts and we're giving our perspective. And there are times that we just have to agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. But the key was the respect, the respect of, you know, she just made a decision, didn't talk it over with me, didn't ask me my opinion but it was a respect and trust that I had that she was coming from a good place when she made it. And so that's why I think I was, you know, we've had a couple of book studies going on over the last few months with our book and the amount of vulnerability and trust you put administrators in the same space as teachers. And it's like, <laughs> you like everybody just kind of clams up at first. Cause they don't even know what that really looks like and feels like, yeah. but these groups, 
we haven't even deleted the, the groups within Voxer because we feed off of this vulnerability and trust that we've now made with this connection with these conversations. And that in itself is what the book has brought. And I really believe like this book is so relative to where we can be in the fall and forward. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like it's ever just having that moment. This is about real conversations. And this is about like equity and voice and respect for all voices that are coming into that conversation. Yeah. Well, and you've talked about having your educational family in these different outlets. I know another educational family that you have is with EduMatch. And I swear, every time I look on social media, there's some form of group or something that they've created to connect people. So in what ways is EduMatch trying to get people to be a part of a collective educational family? You know, you just nailed it. We're, we're everywhere. And in the most beautiful way, it's not, we are not siloed. In, in EduMatch, we are led by Sarah. I mean, Sarah, whew, talk about a leader. Yeah. She, she walks the walk, she models it, and she brings every voice into every conversation. And if we're missing the boat on that, she just, she says it. She gets very real with us. And that is why we're growing so much because these tough conversations are a part of our daily life. Right. These tough conversations about what's going on in the world today has been part of our world since we became a part of the Edgematched family. And that's what I love so much. Every time I see on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram, I'm always getting connected to someone new mm -hmm. because of my family, because the connections are just like everywhere it, it and then it feels like generations just kind of like surface within that space yeah. and it, it's so moving and i i actually just martine brown she is just rock star and she's in my edumatch family and we had a really cool moment because melody mcallister yep. had challenged all of us to really like rethink how our work is connecting to where we're at right now and i thought you know I, I really like that Melody planted that seed in my head. I'm going to go back and I'm going to just, I'm not going to read my story. And like, I think like, you know, you walk the, that journey and you know your story, but I started rereading the anti-ups. Oh, the anti-ups, the amount of voice that is in our book mm -hmm. and Martine Brown, she just like nailed it. And so I was typing up her last night. I can't wait to post it at some point this week. I'll, I'll get it out there. But it was one of those moments where I thought, man, am I blessed? I am so blessed that I have these people in my world to teach me and bring about more change within me. Like, I love that I'm always evolving and I can't, I can't even take, I guess a little bit of credit I could take is that I'm willing yeah. But man, am I lucky to have all these people in my world, right? Mm -hmm. Including you, Josh. I love, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, and it's the podcast and it's you finding yeah. your voice through a podcast that allows me to grow because you're then connecting with so many people whereby I can then listen in when I can and, and grow on my, on my watch too. Sure. No, I love that. And I love what Edgy Manch is doing right now. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. Thank of you. Supporting people in, in all stages of their educational career. So uh, Thank kudos you. to all of you for that. Next piece I want to talk about is, you know, you're speaking all over the country. Um, and unfortunately, you know, ITSI and of course, Teach Better, you know, they've canceled, but mm -hmm. that's not stopping you. I know you've got some more <laughs> virtual conferences going on. So like for our listeners that want to hear you speak because you speak on so many wonderful topics. If they want to yeah. tap into you and your resources, how can they join you in a virtual conference? 
Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up, Josh, because we actually, EverFi is putting out a, an all-day conference on Tuesday of this coming week, and it's it's Learn On. And what I love, there's so many different facets, but the part that they're bringing me in is just such, it's so dear to my heart, and it's SEL. So we've got the social-emotional learning, and we must, like this is not this is not if we want to. Yeah. This is a must for going back this fall. No matter if you're doing it in person, remote, a hybrid plan, which my district is doing, this is a must. So now we need to not only realize that this is for the kids, but we need to realize what this looks like for our staff, yeah. for our community, for the parents, the parents that we need to support our students in growing are also dealing with this and they're immersed in so much information and and really at the end of the day you can you can take your own opinion and get it supported by no like you know data from wherever you want to look you can always find data to support your own opinion is what i'm saying and what we need to support are these kids and their families with the trauma-informed response by bringing that SEL. And, and I have some great people that are going to be on this panel with me, um, you know, and a specialist from Chicago Public Schools. And I, I just value this place and space he's coming from because Doug works with like over 350,000. Like, I mean, the, the number so huge to my little tiny world of like a couple thousand. And then you take my tiny world of a couple thousand and if we're being realistic, that's my community. I'm talking about the 24 kids in my class. Yeah. Like, how am I going to break those walls down and how am I going to hear them and not just move on academically, but help them to learn what's within their control and what is out. Because we can all spend our time talking about this topic, right? I mean, we really yeah. could because it's there. It's everywhere we look. But is that really within our control? Like we need to stop and, and seriously implement research-based because this is data-based. I mean, EverFi does a phenomenal job getting into the classroom and supporting teachers with incredible online experiences. We just need to make the decision to do it. One teacher in my district has she has reached like 190 kids one teacher because she's a pe teacher that uses everfi right. and she can bring in that prevention uh network into their lives and the impact that one teacher can have so this conference is definitely going to be key it's not going to be just you know the part that i get to speak on but all day long um the different valuable conversations that are going to take place and that's big too this is not just about us speaking these are conversations that will unfold throughout the day with those that have registered yeah and kristen you're doing so many projects this summer i just love all the work that you're doing and another one that is exciting is with your blogging journey you're actually collaborating with a bunch of different educators across the globe really to work on this project so what is that all about so sorry, Goldberg, um, um, Goldberg, she, she ended up taking our book into a book study with numerous teachers from New York City. Mm -hmm. And this was months ago. And we just connected. It was one of those moments where we were like, oh, you're one of my people now. <laughs> you're not getting away. And we just started chatting this up. And we had a lot of sidebar conversations about like what we had in common and how the value of bringing our perspectives together could be if, 
if we were to do other things together. So then we, it's, she um, actually has read to lead. So if you follow that hashtag, you can find a lot with Sarah in it. And then these other voices like Lauren Kaufman and um, Rob Wadawa, we, we had this amazing amount of voice come in within our book study that then rolled into this blogging through it. They had this idea, let's blog through COVID. Let's talk about the real moments. Let's be vulnerable enough to put it all out there and create conversation. So we just kind of like bounce things off of each other. You know, one minute a Vox is coming through. Hey, listen, I saw that you tweeted this and I'm so in that realm right now. Let's go ahead. Let's collaborate. And it's all just a matter of opening up a Google Doc. You know, Dave Burgess gave me the best advice ever about five, six years ago where he was like, Kristen, open up a doc. I mean, that's how JC's and my book started. They were just ideas. They were thoughts. I was filling buckets, you know, all his advice I was willing to take. And that's what this became too. And we just opened up a Google doc, tossed in some ideas and man, did we feed off of one another. And then what was really neat was the way one of us thought our voice was coming, especially when uh, Rob and I were actually blogging together. I thought he was coming from this angle when I read it. He thought I was coming from this angle when he read it. And one day I was like, Rob, we have to Vox because I want to read you the blog the way I am interpreting it. And then he did the same back. Oh my gosh, our minds were blown because we realized it's really up to the reader, right? However, the reader takes those words. Man, are our words important, right? How they take those words and interpret them. So that Rob and I brought a whole nother entity to it when we experienced that moment of really filtering through our own blog. So they have become a major staple in my life, a major staple in my my learning and my PLN. And I, I really don't know what I would do without them. As a matter of fact, blogging through it's over. But many of us that have been in it, Lauren just said to me yesterday, Kristen, I think we have a blog coming. <laughs> and, you know, then Melissa Hayes is like, you know, Kristen, this is what we like, let's try this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, of course. And so it's just, we feel each other's fire. And through that, we're able to really like learn together and help others learn too. Yeah. I love the collaboration that you are doing in all those different facets. And so Kristen, we are getting toward the end of the conversation here. And I love asking my guests about future leaders. And so for those who are aspiring to become a leader, what are some first steps that they can take to be successful? Oh, wow. And I love that you didn't play the word leader in any one facet because we we truly are all leaders. You know, kids are always looking. They're always seeing everything that we're doing. So yeah, we must all lead in a way that we want them to learn. And so if you are just dabbling, you know, the first thing to do is get connected. Mm -hmm. Tag me, tag you, right? Tag people that you feel a connection with and they will then introduce you to that world of a professional learning network and be able to help you build that. Because once you just connect with one person, it's like an automatic 10 and then 10 more and then 20 more. Yeah. And it's it's not about take note that I'm not saying follower. Mm-hmm. I'm saying connected. Like these are people It's not about who's following you. It's about really who you're following. And so I would say get connected, be brave, create that digital footprint for yourself that you're proud of. Google your name. If you see nothing, 
You need to lead. You need to get your voice out there. You need to tell your own story before somebody else does it. Tara Martin said that to me so clearly one day years ago when we were first building our friendship. And I hold that dear to my heart. They need to make sure that if they see a digital footprint that maybe they're not real keen on, it's time to reframe it. It's, it isn't like something you can just walk away from. This is a time to reframe it. Find yourself the people that you can build with, build on, get connected, and then you can go from there. And if you have the opportunity, which I think districts are going to have a really hard time affording people the opportunity when conferences do come to be because financially it's just not in, within people's means. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it should stop you. There's so many free opportunities. I mean, look what yeah. Teach Better does. Jump into four o'clock faculty Voxer group. I mean, wow, they will blow your mind. The expertise within that group is like just insanely awesome. So yeah, connect, find a way to connect, tag some of us, and we will open that door with you for you. We'll walk through it with you for Most sure. Definitely. Since we're talking about connections, how can they connect with you on social media? Well, I, I have to say, if you just Google Kristen Nan, I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to connect with me. But KristenNan.com is my website. Everything's on there. With Twitter, with Instagram, I do um, go by NanKR1120. Uh, people tend to ask me, what's that 1120 all about? Yeah. And I just, I chuckle because about six years ago, when I went to my first iPad class as an educator, um, they told me to come up with like my handle. Yeah. And I was like, I have so many passwords. I don't even know how will I ever remember this? She's like, well, you know, use a date, use something. Well, that is my anniversary. Eleven <laughs> twenty, November 20th is my anniversary. And so I didn't really think I'd forget my name or my first two initials. And I'm definitely not going to forget my anniversary. No. So Nan KR eleven twenty, And then on Facebook, Kristen Kilgore Nan definitely can connect with me any of those ways. Yes. Make sure you check in with Kristen. She's a wealth of resources um, and an inspiration to so many people in education. So connect with her on any of those social media outlets. And Kristen, it is always an honor to see you, to speak with you. I feel like I gained so much insight after each conversation. Thank you again for being on the Aspire podcast. Thank you so much, Josh. My pleasure. 